Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to a special Friday edition of That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy Jones Gibbs, broadcasting live from the NYC. Today I'm going to be talking with British actor Mark Jackson. Mark has a very extensive list of stage credits that include appearing in the award-winning show Noises Off, the international tour of One Man, Two Gunner. He has also performed opposite uh, Robert Powell in Agatha Christie's Black Coffee. He also played Captain Stewart in the National Theater acclaimed production of War Horse. Now Mark can be seen starring as Isaac, the artificial life science officer in Seth MacFarlane's new show, The Orville, which premiered on Fox on Sunday night, at September, started on September 10th. Please welcome my special guest, Mark Jackson. Hi, Mark. Hello, Tammy. How's it going? Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. We're just waking up here in L.A. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to talk with us today. My pleasure. Uh, You know, it's so funny because I have a lot of listeners from the U.K. that tune into the show, a lot of listeners. So it's, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, well, yeah, it's a pleasure to be talking to them over there. <laughs> Let's talk about the Orville. Uh, it takes place, it's a new uh, space series on Fox. It takes place 400 years into the future. How do you get this role? How do you get this part? Well, I actually auditioned for it in London back in the U.K., and uh, I think they were throwing the net quite wide for this part because it's quite un- unusual. So they were seeing a lot of actors from a lot of different countries. Um, So somehow, yeah, I I heard about this this part through my agent. So I went up for it, and lo and behold, a few months later, I found myself in L.A. It was crazy. Now, what is is it like working with Seth MacFarlane, and were you familiar with him and his work before you got the part? Absolutely. I mean, I'd watched, I think I've watched Family Guy or American Dad every day for my life for the past 10 years um you know so he's he's been a huge part of my life and his comedy and his satire um have been a great influence and so to you know to finally work with him would it was just incredible he's um he's very bright very dedicated works very hard i don't think i've ever met anyone who works so hard um obviously very funny um but it does have a wonderful appreciation for the craft of acting and a real respect for the, uh, the, the the process of filmmaking. Now, I've seen the series. I've seen uh, the first two episodes, and it reminds me a lot of Star Trek. Um, was that something right. Seth and the writers were aiming for? Did they Were they looking for something like a smaller version of Star Trek? I think if you see similarities with Star Trek, it is entirely intentional. Um, You know, the first time Seth and I talked, we bonded over Star Trek Next Generation. We both grew up with that and Voyager to some extent. So, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, and Seth will be the first to sort of admit this, that the show is a real tribute to all those wonderful uh, Star Trek series, but also to other great science fiction institutions um, that, you know, going back to the writings of Isaac Asimov and um, modern day writings of Ian M. Banks. So, you know, it's, um, it's building on all those foundations from all those different sci-fi shows and creating something that, you know, is a bit different. It's the, the combination of comedy and sci-fi doesn't seem to be on television at the moment, apart from Orville. So, um, so yeah, when it comes to Star Trek, it was drawing on all the goodness from those shows and bringing it back for audiences today. Now, is it true you're a, a big sci-fi fan yourself? Absolutely. I love it. I've been reading it for uh, for years now, but I will go and see it at any opportunity. Now, tell us about your character, Isaac, because... 
people get it mixed up. They think Isaac is a robot, but he's not. Explain what exactly is Isaac. Yeah, we've made a bit of a thing of uh, Isaac not not being very happy about the term robot. He's um, <laughs> he's a, he's an artificial life form. Um, so he's very much alive uh, in a in a very alien way. He's not from Earth. He wasn't made by humans. And so it's, it's, it's quite a distant cry from the robots of great science fiction that we know um, now, you know, sort of C-3PO, um, Data from Star Trek, uh, you know, even from the last um, Star Wars movie from Rogue One, you know, there's, there's, there are a lot of sort of robots in our minds, but they've all been created by humans with a very sort of very human directive. Isaac has none of these things and is incredibly advanced in technology, far, far more advanced than the humans in this, uh, in this show. So, um, yes, call him a robot is kind of, um, kind of selling him short, really, I think. Now, I noticed that um, Isaac talks with, like, an American accent. Was that intentional? Well, I'm glad but, you think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny because, you know, you mentioned um, C-3PO, you know, um, he has a British accent. And, you, you, you know, it, was that intentional? Was that something that you guys talked about, whether he was trying to decide whether he should speak in your a- accent or an American accent? I think it was always going to be American um, because, you know, if you have a British robot, it is somewhat too reminiscent, I think, of, uh, of Star Wars. But also, there's a... Uh, I mean, you know, I'm the first to admit that every sci-fi show uh, needs a British accent in it somewhere. But, um, but, yeah, with this one, I think... I think him to have... It's like a transatlantic accent, something that kind of blends the two together was what they were after. Now... You know, it's so funny because, you know, when you actors go into a new role, they always uh, prep themselves uh, beforehand. How do you prep yourself for the role of an artificial intelligence? Well, you can't really. Um, You've got to sort of make it up on the spot. Um, That that probably does me a service, actually. Uh, No, I, uh, I think... You know, you've got to look at the script and you've got to look at what the character says and what a character does. I mean, that's where you always have to start with a role. Um, and when, when, you, when you see what Isaac does actually say and the way he says it, uh, you start to get an idea of where he's coming from. But also, you know, the moment I put the suit on, um, that, that really informed the way I moved because it was restrictive in some places but quite freeing in others. And, uh, you know, from that came, came the way he moves. So, you know, these, these little things all come together and you find that you, you're starting to create a character that you, you, you can run with eventually. Now, speaking of the suit, did they show you uh, sketches of what Isaac was going to look like before <laughs> you put the costume on? And is the costume cumbersome? Um, with, I was in London uh, when I got the part. And uh, fortunately, Howard Berger, who's the Oscar-winning creator of all the, um, the, the masks and the makeup and, and actually Isaac's hands as well, he, um, he was in London shooting the latest Transformers movie and uh, staying at the Langham Hotel, which is very fancy. And we met for breakfast there. And uh, he showed me all the designs. And it was wonderful to have that sort of that early glimpse of what Isaac was going to look like. And true to form, I got to L.A., and it's exactly what he did look like. Wow. And in terms of the, um, the outfit being cumbersome, uh, it's not at all. It's very nicely designed. The, uh, the fabrics are all, um, are all the same sort of fabrics that the Spider-Man um, suit has. Mm-hmm. So very sort of lightweight and breathable. Um, and various sort of NASA technologies have gone into <laughs> making the helmet um, you know, breathable, and um, I can see through it, but you can't see through the other side. It's, it's all very high-tech, and, of course, full of wires because of the lights um, dotted around the suit. 
So the overall effect is one of um, is one of ease, technological ease. Now, I know that you were at uh, Comic-Con earlier uh, this year. You know, they have Comic-Con here in New York, but I never get a chance to go. It's not the same like the San Diego one. Was this your first time going, and what was it like to talk to fans of this particular genre? Well, you've got the... um You've got Comic-Con coming up, haven't you? Yes, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I believe um, Seth MacFarlane and Adrian Felicki will be there representing the Orville. Oh, um, wow. So go, go along to that, listeners, if you're in New York, because um, that'll be a treat for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Comic-Con. I'd, I'd always want to go to a Comic-Con um, as a sci-fi fan and, to some extent, a fantasy fan. Um, it's quite invigorating to be surrounded by people who find the genre so interesting, you know, as much as you do. Uh, so it was great to be there. The enthusiasm for the show was palpable. Uh, we, we didn't get to go down to the floor that much, but when we did do signings and sort of meet the, meet the fans, the soon-to-be fans of the show, because this was before it came out, um, it was great, really nice. You know, you, you, you suddenly realize why you're doing it all in the first place. Um, to actually entertain people, to you know, give someone something to, uh, to to listen to, to watch, to maybe change their lives in some way. I don't know, but it was uh, it was great, you know, to to be surrounded by that enthusiasm. I think uh, everyone should go down there at some point. You know, it's so funny because you know when we think of uh, uh, robots or artificial intelligence. Uh, taking over people's lives for either uh, the good or the bad. Do you believe that um, that they will take over for much of the good rather than the bad? Well, I mean, we're starting to see the effects of AI development um, across the world. I mean, in the UK, um, robots are starting to replace part of the workforce. I mean, it's it's slow and there are a lot of, I think that there's a lot of discussion at the moment about putting laws in place to um, prevent too many people losing their jobs, you know, because this is the uh, the ultimate sacrifice for having a lot of robots working is that, you know, people are going to start losing their jobs on a sort of factory level, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and the question is, if society is developing fast enough to provide all these robots and this technology, we also need to evolve fast enough to, um, you know, find alternative lives for these people to, 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 to manage that loss of, um, of, of employment. I think it's, it's an interesting dilemma. Um, I think, you know, I think humans will generally use robots for good. Uh, yeah, because, um, you know, we can all benefit from that. Yes. Now, I want to go back to your days of uh, being in the theater, you know, coming from London. London Was acting always something you wanted to do, and, and who are some of the people that influenced you? Well, I, um, I, I came to acting quite late. I was, I was about 16 at school, and uh, I was sort of dared to audition for the school play and did so and got a part and loved it, you know. And um, so... I, I wasn't one of those seven-year-olds who totters up to their mummy or daddy and says, I want to be an actor. Um, I hadn't really crossed my mind. I think I was going to be a quite substandard um, biological engineer or something before that. Um, so luckily, I did find acting, and I'm not that now. Um, yeah, I, I went to university and did a lot of acting there and uh, went to drama school after that, the, uh, the Bristol Old Vic, to do my sort of formal training. I think while I was there, I obviously learned a lot, a lot of technique, a lot of skills. Um, but I also saw some quite important productions, theatre productions that, that did affect me. We did a road trip down to London to see Ben Whishaw's Hamlet at the Old Vic Theatre. And uh, <clears throat> his performance was just so mesmerising. Um, I, I, I was spellbound for the whole thing that I went back up to Bristol and it sounds a bit, you know, 
sounds a bit silly, but I, I did feel that I understood something better about acting. Uh, and it was great. And, it, and I, you know, it, it really helped me that just having seen that performance. So, so I'd say he was a great influence early on. Yeah. Now, do you find that um, acting on a television series a little easier or harder than acting on stage? It's completely different. Uh, it's almost like it's almost like two completely different job genres. Um, I was I was trying to think the other day of of someone that you'd call by a name, like an actor or a, a builder or a I don't know train driver, but that does two completely different jobs, but they're both called the same thing, like acting or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, they both have their uh, plus points, they both have their, their downsides. There's a lot of waiting around in filming. Um, there's a lot of waiting around. Very, very long days. I mean, theatre's a late day, but uh, you don't necessarily start till later on. And once you do start, theatre's all go, go, go. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're very different, very different. I wouldn't say one's easier, um, mm-hmm. but uh, both very enjoyable. Yeah, I always hear uh, when actors perform here in New York on Broadway that they work like six nights a week, two shows a day. Is this, is that the same kind of a, a work production when you do theater in London? Yeah, well, it's eight shows is standard for a week. Mm. Um, so you do, you know, you do six nights. Uh, so, yeah, six nights and two matinees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you just get into the rhythm of it, really. Uh, it does require a physical stamina. Um, I wonder if I've got that right now because I haven't done it for a, a while. But um, yeah, it's um, it's very re- rewarding doing good theatre. You know, it's great. Does keep you fit, keeps you on your toes mentally as well. You know, it's um, it's a real uh, it's a real treat for an actor to do, and it's quite extraordinary to meet actors in LA who haven't. Um, I had the opportunity to do theatre because, of course, this is a very TV and film-driven town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think, you know, they should get over to Broadway and do something there. I think they'd, they'd really enjoy it. Right. Now, you played Captain Stewart in the National Theatre acclaimed production of War Horse. Uh, do you ever see it in the States when it was uh, here? I know it was in Broadway. Or uh, do you ever see the, the movie version of the uh, of the play? I Yes, I haven't seen I didn't see the show when it was over in America, but I did see the movie. Yeah, so I was playing the Benedict Cumberbatch part. Right. Um and uh, I mean, the movie does differ somewhat to the um, to the film. Uh, sorry, to the sh- to the show. Uh, but you know, both very good. Yeah, it was a great part to play that. Um, the star of the show on stage, and this is the big difference with the film, is that um, they have these huge life-size horse puppets operated by three guys per horse, and they are just the most miraculous things to watch come alive. Um, and they are really the star of the show. So, of course, in the film, they had real horses, which almost misses the trick, I think. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, I I love the way they did the uh, puppetry of the horse and the, the uh, stage production. And like you said, the horse is the main star, so to see it come to life with the puppeteers like that, it's it's amazing. Have you thought really? about uh, of, of writing and directing your own stage play? I Yes, I have, actually. I'm, uh, yes, I'm in the process of, Sort of adapting a few things. Um, yeah, watch this space. I do. I do have a great passion for producing theatre. I did a bit of it back in London. So, yeah, I'd certainly be looking to do it again. It's uh, very rewarding. Yeah. Now you are also an accomplished voiceover artist. Uh, what are some of the uh, some of your voiceover work? Um, well, I've done a lot of commercial work um, for various brands, but um, I've also done um, a bit of drama work for, um, for for a few animated shorts, um, a bit of documentary work. It's 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 very varied, but it's very um, 
it's it's a lovely thing to do voiceover work because it's very intimate you're sort of there in a very small soundproof room with a microphone um and yet again it's a different way of acting um it's yeah very enjoyable and very uh very close it's a close experience it's funny because at one time I wanted to do voiceover work. But what well, advice? You've got a great voice, you should. Oh, thank you. What advice can you give me or anyone who might be interested in doing that kind of work? Well, um, go and get a professional reel made. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you can. I, I think, it, I presume it works the same way over here, but. Once you've got your reel made, um, which you can do in a studio, uh, you then just you know start approaching agents, and uh, like with normal acting, then your agent will work with you to uh, to get you roles, and uh, you just take it from there basically. Wow. Now, um, besides the Orville, are there any other upcoming projects that you're working on? Any movie roles? Uh, we've got there's a few things in the pipeline, so I'll just see uh, see where they go for the time being. It's early days yet for me. Wow! Before I let you go, uh, Bark, um, how can fans? Because I know you are on social media. How can fans follow you? What are your uh, your handles? Yeah, sure. So um, Twitter is at Mark Jackson Acts, and Facebook and Instagram is the Mark Jackson. All right. Well, Mark, I want to uh, also thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. And make sure, everyone, that you watch The Orville on Fox Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, you get to see this uh, very amazing actor, Mark uh, Jackson, play Isaac. And, uh, again, uh, Mark, it was such a pleasure to talk with you today. And you, Tammy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, British actor Mark Jackson. Make sure you tune in on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Uh, He's in the new space series called The Orville, which he plays Isaac, which is not a robot but an uh, an artificial intelligence science officer. Uh, Again, Fox every night at at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, right now we got here 22 minutes after the hour. I'm going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back with some more uh, entertainment online radio in a few minutes. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Brittany Spears. I've had the pleasure of singing all over this great nation, but today I'm lending my voice to the 15 million kids in America struggling with hunger. Every year, billions of pounds of excess food go to waste, while one in five children may be left without enough food for a meal. But it doesn't have to be this way. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks helps to get food to families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to learn how you can help. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. One in seven Americans will struggle with addiction during their lifetime. Want to know how you can help? Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to help turn addiction around. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council. Right now we have uh, 25 minutes after the hour. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to a the special Friday edition of That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy Jones-Give, broadcasting live from the NYC. If you're just tuning in, you uh, missed a interview with uh, British actor Mark Jackson. If you're a fan of sci-fi, if you're a fan of space, then you should be watching 
Seth MacFarlane new space series, The Orville, which comes on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. It premiered on September 10th, and it also starred uh, Mark Jackson, who I was speaking with. Uh, Mark uh, has been... He comes from a theater background. He has been in such shows as uh, Agatha Christie's Black Coffee. Uh, He was also in the award-winning Noises Off. He also played Captain Stewart in the National Theater acclaimed production of War Horse. But now you can find him in the new Fox series, The Orville, where he plays Isaac, the artificial officer, and uh, Seth MacFarlane, Regine, and uh, it's a, it's it's very interesting because if you are a Trekkie, if you are a Star Wars fan, you will like the show because there, there's a lot of similarities in the show, and it's it's there's a little drama, there's a little comedy mixed in, but it's a very interesting show, and um, I think this Sunday will be episode four, so make sure you check them out, Mark Jackson on the the Orville. Uh, coming up, uh, we have a lot of entertainment news for t- today. Uh, as you guys know, we lost uh, Hugh Hefner. You know he is an American pioneer. He was the one that created the most famous magazine in the world, Playboy magazine. Uh, he passed away uh, this week. Uh, he's known for his uh, wearing silk robes. He founded Playboy magazine and built a business empire around his lavish lifestyle. He died on Wednesday. He was 91. He died of natural causes at his home, surrounded by friends on Wednesday night. The Chicago native who began his career as a copywriter at Esquire created a media empire that embraced the risque and the uh, he really pushed the envelope after he published his first issue of Playboy in 1953. It was a highbrow, dirty magazine founded in Hefner's kitchen with just with he only only had like a eight thousand dollar loan, and he raised it from 45 investors, and it be, quickly became a success, earning millions of subscribers and a permanent place in pop culture. The magazine, with its distinct bunny logo, uh, featuring iconic covers and centerfolds who stripped down to their birthday suits, including Pamela Anderson, Anna Nicole Smith, Barbara Streisand, Mariah Carey, and in the very first issue, Marilyn Monroe. It also featured candid interviews with the likes of Fidel Castro, uh, Frank Sinatra, and shortly before his death, John Lennon. Behind the rise of Playboy, the bunnies of the Playmates it had a cult following, and its editorial promise of humor, sophistication, and spice was Hefner. And throughout his six decades in the spotlight, Hefner was the pipe-smoking, silk-wearing embodiment embodiment of his own brand. Now, he hosted very lavish parties at his Playboy Mansion, first in Chicago and then later in Los Angeles, with these scantily clad women and celebrities. Now, he also helmed the TV show Playboy After Dark. It opened a string of clubs where waitresses wore revealing costumes with the bunny ears and the fluffy white bunny tails. And this went on well into the 70s, and it starred uh, in the the, the uh, reality show called The Girl Next Door that featured his three living girlfriends. He claimed he had slept with a 1,000 women. Hefner married three times, twice to much younger women who bared all for Playboy. And in 1949, he married Mildred Williams, who whom he had two children before they divorced. And in 1989, at 63, Hefner married Playmate of the Year Kimberly Conrad, who was then 27. The couple had two children. They divorced in 2010 after he separated a decade earlier. And in 2012, Hefner married a 24-year-old by the name of Crystal Harris, another former playmate. And while critics complained that Hefner's ways were uh, exploiting women, the magazine publisher insisted that he was helping their cause. Now, Playboy fought for what became women's issues, including birth control. He even told Vanity Fair in 2010 that uh, he attribute his decadent lifestyle to rebellion against his Puritan roots. 
He's survived by four children, Christy, David, Marston, and Cooper, and wife Crystal. And while Hefner bought the crypt next to Monroe, Marilyn Monroe's burial plot in L.A.'s Westwood Memorial Park in 1992 for $75,000, no funeral plans have been announced. Now, he bought this plot next to Marilyn Monroe. And I, I read, I also read today that um, his current wife, he didn't leave her much of anything uh, in his will. I mean, I think he, he left most of it to his children. But, yeah, he bought this burial plot in 1992, and he said he wanted to be buried next to Marilyn Monroe. Now, you would think, hmm, maybe he would want to be buried next to his wife. Nah, he wanted to be buried next to Marilyn Monroe, and uh, and you, if you see, they they even show that the they show Marilyn Monroe plot, and uh, and they have an empty one right next door for Hefner. So yeah, so uh, yes, Hefner Hugh Hefner dead at ninety one. Also this week in entertainment, The View finally has a new conservative co-host in Meghan McCain. The former Fox News contributor, who is 32, will join Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, Sarah Haynes, Paula Ferris, and Sonny Holston in early October. This is according to Variety. McCain, daughter of Senator John McCain, left outnumbered earlier in September after two months at the network. Now, McCain will be taking over for... Uh, Jedediah Abila, who announced last week that she was leaving the show. And the long-awaited Sex in the City 3 is not happening, and I'm one of those people that's disappointed, along with Sarah Jessica Parker. The actress confirmed reports that the third film had stalled, uh, and in an interview with Extra yesterday, she and her husband, Matthew Broderick, made their way uh, they was they were talking with Extra as they made their way to the New York City Ballet Gala. Now fans have been clamoring for a new film since Sex in the City Two was released in 2010, and like devotees like myself of the hit HBO series, Parker said that she was also disappointed. Now this is what she said: "Quote, we had this beautiful, funny, heartbreaking, joyful, very relatable script and story." It's not just disappointing that we don't get to tell the story and have that experience, but more so for that audience that have been so vocal in wanting another movie, unquote. Sex in the City, about four friends navigating New York and multiple romances, aired on HBO from 1998 to 2004 and became a cultural phenomenon. It made stars of its main cast, including Parker, Kim Cattrall, uh, Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon and spawned two feature films one in 2008 and 2010 Beyonce announced the release of a new song to help raise money for Puerto Rico Mexico and other Caribbean islands devastated by natural disasters in recent weeks the pop diva lent her vocal to a new remix of J Balvin and Willie Williams single Mi Gente and released a corresponding video that featured uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Diplo, among many others, dancing along to the track. Now, in one of the three Instagram posts announced the release, Beyonce wrote, quote, I am donating my proceeds from this song to Hurricane Release Charities for Puerto Rico, Mexico, and the other affected Caribbean islands. She also shared a link to her website, which directs visitors to a number of charities helping those affected by the earthquakes in Mexico, along with the areas devastated by Hurricane Irma, Harvey, and Maria. Beyonce sings in both English and Spanish on Mi Gente, which translates to My People, and the lyrics include the line, lift up your people from Texas, Puerto Rico, them islands to Mexico. The track, originally released in June of 2017, is itself a remix of Willie Williams' voodoo song. After Hurricane Harvey, Beyonce visited her hometown of Houston and later appeared during a one-hour telethon along with numerous other celebrities to help raise money. And Puerto Rican rapper Danny, Daddy Yankee, he had pledged $1 million to Hurricane Maria release efforts on his native island. He was born and raised in Puerto Rico and lived there full-time. His real name is Ramon Ayola Rodriguez. 
He says in a statement he felt the call as a Puerto Rican to help. He says his long-term goal is to work to ensure that the largest number of families on the island have a safe roof. Rodriguez said that the money will be split between Feeding America, the American Red Cross, Habitat for Humanity, and local organizations. The money comes on top of 10 truckloads of supply donated by fans at his concert. And it just took two weeks for Liam Nielsen Nielsen, to change his mind about being an action star. The actor, who's now 65, has announced earlier this month that he was going to retire from the genre due to his increasing age. As Screen Rant reports, Nielsen recently addressed the typecasting when he said, quote, they're still throwing serious money at me to do that stuff. Audience are eventually going to go, come on, unquote. Now, it appears that Nielsen had walked back some of his comments about the action film and his endgame. Now, according to Variety, while speaking at the premiere of Mark Fell, the man who brought down the White House, Nielsen said that it's not true. He's going to do, uh, he's going to, going to go, he's going to still be doing action in movies until they bury him in the ground. He said that he is unretired. Outside of the action realm where uh, Nielsen had some of uh, rebranding himself in the past decade, the actor also starred in timeless films like uh, Schindler's List, Michael Collins, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, Gang of New York, and Bad, uh, Batman Begins. Yet his action credits are undeniably impressive. On the fr- on that front, think about films like Taken, The A Team, Unknown, The Gray, Nonstop, A Walk Among the Tombstones, Run All Night, and the upcoming movie The Commuter and Widows. The six foot four actor from Northern Ireland has long made an impression in Hollywood between his gun toting ways and his deep narrative voice. Uh, fans of his entire body of work surely are elated by the news, if only to see more Nielsen on the big screen. So, um, yeah, he is definitely not retiring. Um, his next film uh, is going to be The Commuter, and he plays a man by the name of Michael Woolrich, an insurance sales uh, man who gets caught up in a deadly plot aboard a train. And it also stars uh, Patrick Wilson, Sam Neill, Jonathan Banks, and Elizabeth McGovern. I'm so glad because he plays it so well, you know. Um, I'm a big fan of the Taken franchise, so... I'm glad he's not retiring from that type of genre. Uh, right now we have here uh, 22 minutes left remaining in the show. Uh, Coming to America is going to be officially getting a sequel nearly 30 years after it first hit theaters. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Eddie Murphy is involved with the new film, but it's unclear if a deal has been put in place for him to star. Jonathan Levin Levin, I'm sorry, was brought on as a director with Blackish creator Kenya Barris and he's rewriting the script. Now, the news comes just months after Murphy teased the possibility in a deleted tweet that featured Vanessa Bell Calloway from the film with the caption, Coming to America sequel. Now, Murphy starred alongside James Earl Jones, Calloway, Arsenio Hall, Sherry Headley, and John Amos in the 1988 flick, which followed an African prince who came to New York City to escape from an arranged marriage and instead plans to find someone who truly loved him in the Big Apple. The idea of coming to America 2 has been long an idea over at Paramount, but was only finalized this spring, and we can't wait. And so many people, they use the theme of of coming to America for birthday parties, weddings, and things of that nature. Coming to America is like one of those movies like Scarface, um, it it just has that pop culture appeal, and people love it. And people's been waiting for this movie for the longest, and I'm glad they're finally thinking about doing a sequel. It's it's just been long overdue. Young Thug is facing felony drug charges following an arrest in Brookhaven, Georgia, on September 24th. Uh, the Jeffrey artist, born Jeffrey Lamar Williams, is facing charges including theft, by receiving stolen property, possession of marijuana with a tent, and possession of a Schedule II controlled substance determined to be cocaine. 
Now, according to the police report, Officer Paul Williams over in his 2016 Mercedes-Benz uh, Mercedes Maybach, actually, due to its significantly tinted windows. Now, police searched the vehicle based on the smell of marijuana and located several items of narcotics and pills, as well as two firearms and a large amount of currency. The police report states over two ounces of marijuana, as, near, as well as nearly $50,000 in cash, was seized from the rapper's vehicle. In addition to the drug and theft charges, William also faces traffic and weapon violation for the tinted windows and gun recovered. This isn't the first time the rap has been plagued by legal woes. In early 2017, his Sandy Spring, Georgia home was raided by police. Officers involved in the surprise search reportedly discovered weapons and drugs. He was charged with felony cocaine possession and three counts of felony gun possession. In April, however, Young Thug lawyer proved police conducted the, conducted the search without proper warrant, and he was let off the hook for all charges stemming from the raid. That same month, the best friend musician was cleared in a potential battery case after rumors began swirling that he was videotaped slapping a woman outside a club in Atlanta. Young Thug saw no, saw no charges in the case, and there was a lack of evidence against him. And Miss Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, she addressed the issue of health care in a simple message revealing she was, di she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The Veep star shared a post on Twitter Thursday stating, quote, one in eight women get breast cancer. Today I'm one. The actress note was positive, declaring that she had she has fantastic insurance through her union and supportive friends and family, but she was quick to point out that not everyone is in her position. The bad news is that not all women are so lucky, so let's fight all cancers and make universal health care a reality. That is what the Seinfeld alum said. It's unclear what stage of breast cancer Dreyfus was diagnosed with, but a spokesperson for the for HBO told the, uh, one of the main newspapers here in New York that she was diagnosed one day after the 2017 Emmys on September 17. Now, Dreyfus has been political on social media before and most recently retreated Jimmy Kimball urging people to protest the Graham-Cassidy health care bill. The 56-year-old New York native just won an Emmy for her role on Veep this year, breaking a record as the sixth consecutive winner of the Best Actress Award. She has also starred on a popular HBO political series as Selena Meyer since 2012. She may be best known for her role as Elaine on Seinfeld. Veep is set to end with season seven in 2018, her diagnosis has no bearing in the decision to move forward. The spokesperson added that the production schedule will be adjusted to work with Dreyfus during this difficult time. And you won't have to leave 30 Rock after all. Hulu announced Wednesday that all seven seasons of the NBC comedy will begin streaming October 1st, the same day it leaves Netflix. 30 Rock, which starred uh, Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan, and Jane Koskowski won three Emmy Awards for Outstanding Comedy Series and racked up 103 nominations over its run from 2006 to 2013. Netflix is clearing out a number of highly popular shows next month, including Friday Night Lights and One Tree Hill. Hulu is picking up Will and Grace, Parenthood, There's Johnny, Made in Chelsea, and Face Off. And Justin Timberland, he could be nearing his Super Bowl Encore, despite being at the forefront of one of the most infamous moments in the history of the big game. The pop star is finalizing a contract to headline the halftime show at February's NFL title game. As of right now, it will just be Justin, no surprise performers. It's a surprising choice because considering Timberlake's last Super Bowl performance in 2004 was the source of enormous uproar and controversy. During that unforgettable show, Timberlake ripped away a piece of Janet Jackson's outfit, exposing her right breast as his song Rock Your Body came to a close. The incident led to tremendous backlash and prompt the FCC to institute a five-second delay on live broadcasts in response. Now Timberlake, he's uh, right now he's he's 35 years old. He ultimately apologized, referring for referring to the incident to a wardrobe malfunction. 
The saga has since been immortalized as Nipplegate. A performance at this year's Super Bowl would be Timberlake's first at the game since that 2004 event. The Super Bowl is the most viewed TV program every year, and the halftime show generally draws even more eyes than the game. Last year's halftime performance by Lady Gaga was the most watched ever with 117.5 million people tuning in. The 2018 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52, takes place on February 4, 2018, at the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And there's been a lot of musicals going on Broadway, and guess what? Icon legend Cher is getting one. It's called The Cher Show, and the the musical is going to be based on the legendary pop diva's life, and it will arrive on Broadway next year, just as she promised on social media three months ago. She said it will be um, – she said she tweeted about the bio musical that will tell her story, and it will weave together dozens of her hit songs. Now, producer, producers have echoed that statement on Thursday, announcing that the new musical based on the life and six-decade career of the iconic singer and actress will have its pre-Broadway world premiere in Chicago next year. Now, previews will begin on June 12th at the Oriental Theater. The show will open on Broadway at the Neil Simon Theater in the fall of 2018. Share life is so big that three actresses will reportedly portray her at various points along the way. And you can also look for characters, the other characters in the show, including her parents, Bob Mackie, David uh, Giffen, Greg Allman, Robert Altman, uh, Rob Camilletti, and Sigmund Freed. Now, the additional casting and more details will become available on the Share Show official site, where it now simply says, now this is what it says on the official site. It says, quote, okay, bitches, let's do this. Chicago, June 2018, Broadway Fall 2018. <laughs> That's like Share for real. So uh, I can't wait because I've been a fan of Share. For a long time, and that might be giving my age a little bit. But I remember watching Cher when she had she and Sonny had that variety show on um, what night they used to come on. I think it was Sunday nights, and loved her music. And the thing about Cher and her voice, she she used to her music crossed over so much. She went from disco to pop to a little bit of uh, jazz, you name it. So she has that kind of voice. Um, You know, we were talking about uh, Hugh Hefner um, and uh, how many actresses and women who their career has spun off of being on the cover of Playboy magazine. And uh, one of them is uh, actress Jenny McCarthy, um, she and uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, they led tributes to uh, Hugh Hefner after he died of natural causes on Wednesday at the age of 91. Um, McCarthy, she had posed for Playboy before she launched her film and TV career. Uh, she posted on social media thanking him for being a, a revolutionary and changing so many lives, especially hers. And she said that, I hope I made you proud. Kendra Wilkinson, also a well-known Playboy model, she told the Associated Press that Huffner changed her life. Um, She said that the the 32-year-old former Girl Next Door star credit Huffner for shaping her into the woman she became since leaving the Playboy mansion to forge a path of her own. And uh, even actor Mark Hamill remember Hefner for being a thoughtful, loyal friend, while uh, Jackson highlighted Hefner's support for the civil rights movement. And so a lot of people don't know that, but uh, Hugh Hefner was heavily involved in the civil rights movement. And a number of women who were featured on the page of the Playboy over the years, including Kim Kardashian and professional wrestler Ashley Massaro, they also thanked the icon. So, uh, and even uh, Pamela Anderson, she had went on social media 
Um, she was very emotional. She couldn't really get the words out. You can tell she was highly upset, but she also thanked him as well. So, yeah, another icon gone. Right now we have 10 minutes left remaining in the show. You are just tuning in to a special Friday edition of That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy Jones-Gibb, where every week I bring you the latest in entertainment news, celebrity news, pop culture, and a few celebrity interviews. Today was a, a special Friday edition because we had... Uh, We talked with actor, British actor Mark Jackson, who is currently on the new space series, The Orville, which also stars Seth MacFarlane. Uh, Mark plays a, not a robot, but an artificial intelligence. Uh, He has, um, he plays a science officer. And uh, it's an interesting show because if you are a big sci-fi fan, if you're into Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, those science, the space genre TV shows and films, you're going to like this show because there's a lot of similarities to the show. And uh, it comes on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. on Fox, so make sure you check it out. Um yeah, Mark Jackson from the Orville. It's been a great week, a lot of star power. We had on Tuesday Rafael De La Fuente. You know him from such shows as Empire. He's going to be starring in a new series called, uh matter of fact, the actual reboot of Dynasty on the CW Network. Uh, on Wednesday we had the beautiful um, Candace McClure. She was my guest. She's going to be in the new sci-fi kind of spooky thriller called Ghost Wars. Uh, that's uh, She's going to be on that show. Um, that's going to be premiere on October 5th, and I think it's going to be at 10 p.m. So make sure you check out that new sci-fi series, Ghost War. And today we had uh, Mark Jackson. Um, and it, it, the thing about it, uh, Raphael, he's originally from Venezuela, Candace is from South Africa, and Mark is from London. So a lot of international star power this week. Wow. Well, that will do it for me for this week. Uh, tune in next time. And, uh, again, remember, if you can't watch, uh, can't look at the shows, make sure you, um, you know, DVR, uh, make sure you try to catch it on the actual um, Fox.com the Sci-Fi Channel. Make sure you get to watch these shows. If you're not able to tune into my show, you can also go back and listen to the archives here on Block Talk Radio. You can also go to our fan page, which is on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash that's entertainment dot radio. Follow us on Twitter at that's entertain one. That's T H A T S entertain and the number one. You can also follow me on Twitter at stiletto fourteen. Stiletto like the shoe. S T I L E T T O and the number fourteen. And follow me on Instagram at T Jones Gibbs. Again, that will do it for me for this week. Tune in next time when we do it all over again. You've been listening to That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy Jones Gibbs. Have a great weekend. Make sure you stay safe, and I'll talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>